Welcome to the Hobcast, a weekly podcast from Hobeck Books, an independent publisher of thrillers, crime and suspense novels. Each week, we'll take you behind the scenes of what we do, the challenges and the triumphs, the bumps and troughs of building a new creative business in this pandemic world. We'll hear from the people who make all this possible, the authors, cover designers and editors, and we'll have expert insights from our guest star interviews. Nothing is off the agenda on the Hopcast from Hobeck Books, as we combined trad values and an indie spirit. And welcome to the Hobcast Book Show. It is show number 34. They are rattling through. And uh, this edition features an interview with Matthew J. Holmes, or Matt as he is to us, uh, who is a fantastic guest, something of a guru around advertising for authors, particularly around Facebook and also Amazon, and uh, successfully promoted his own wife's books, but also a number of other clients as well, including, in the future, us too. So we're looking forward to speaking to him, and uh, it really is, I think, one of those interviews that is metaphorical and literal, literal gold. And he's from Staffordshire. Which is a, a positive. So, Hobcast Book Show, what is it? It's the podcast arm of Hobeck Books, and we are UK independent publishers of the following genres. Mystery. Thrillers. Crime. Suspense. And I'm Adrian Hobart. And I'm Rebecca Collins. And you're welcome to the show. So, what have we got coming up for you apart from Matthew J. Holmes? Well, we were talking about uh, the great reunion of the week, which will bore you senseless, Rebecca, because you really aren't into them at all. Talking about Abba. You and Adam. No, well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, there is the, the, there is also that element of uh, rejoining Adam Croft on the Partners in Crime uh, podcast this week. But uh, no, I'm thinking about... Well, you and Doctor Who. No, no, I'm thinking about the glorious foursome from Sweden. St- steps. Steps. I think they're from... Well, they're all... all BGs? From... No, they're from Manchester. Uh, oh, Happy Mondays. <laughs> no, we're talking about ABBA. Oh, ABBA. Let's um, let's delve into the news before we get to Matt J. Holmes. And um, let's look at this really huge topic that is vexing particularly traditional publishers, but it affects everybody in the publishing industry, let's be honest, which is the proposed changes to copyright laws that are being uh, researched by the government at the moment. And this could, according to the Publishers Association, put 64% of published book revenue in the UK at risk. What are we talking about? Well, we're talking about... Copyright law. Yeah, essentially copyright law, but there is a specific uh, 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 thing called the international exhaustion regime. Sounds like something your car would pull up, push out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've had issues with cars this week, so it's fresh in the memory. But what it is... Uh, and I'm trying to explain this in uh, simple terms so I can understand it myself, I think. Actually, for me. Uh, is that and before Brexit, and indeed still, the UK is tied into a wider agreement with uh, the EU, which basically means that if a book is published within the UK or indeed the EU, uh, and you then sell uh, rights to publish that book in, say, the United States or Australia or New Zealand or whatever, or China and India, um, it can't. That version cannot then be sold back into the EU. 
Um, but if this changes, which is what the UK government are considering, you could see the, the marketplace flooded with not so much cheap imitations, but cheap versions. Yeah, because the quality, the printing quality, potentially, because they're, they're made more cheaply and with a, you know, they want to have a, a, a the profit margin uh, parameters are different. So there's a good chance that some of them could be of a much cheaper quality. But the biggest thing is it would threaten the income for authors because at the moment, uh, you know, that most authors in the UK make most of their money from sales in the UK. And uh, clearly that's, a, you know, a huge thing, especially in physical copies. You know, we're talking about paperbacks, hardbacks. Now, if there were cheaper versions legitimately on the market in the marketplace, they wouldn't be getting the revenue from them. So it could cost £2.2 billion in revenue and basically decimate what, which is one of the, you know, the most... Uh, successful creative industries in the UK is the book publishing world. I mean, obviously, we're world leaders in, in uh, television and film production as I well. I thought you were going to say we're world and leaders music. in book production. No, we're not. <laughs> I we're was not. like, blimey, when did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> That's only a matter of time, my love. Um, but uh, no, I mean, it, it, is a, it is a wider issue for the, for the whole community. And as a result of that, um, the, I mean, last year, uh, some... 2,000 leading authors signed a, a letter in the Times uh, which challenged the government's uh, research and uh, review of the situation. Wouldn't that be worth a lot of money if it's got signatures from lots of famous authors? Uh, I'm not sure they did a round robin like you do with Neighbourhood Watch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you could sell that on eBay for a lot of money. Yeah, you know, Hilary Mantel. Um, uh, could you just pass it on to Salman when you see him next? You know, I, I think that would take a long time to do. Yeah, but wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Take your point. It would be cool. Um, so that is that is a, an issue which has been raised again. It, it's a, it's one that's rumbling on. But as ever with everything post Brexit, uh, there are a number of areas of concern for creative industries. Uh, if you're in the music uh, touring side of things, it's a complete disaster because essentially the number of documents that you need to be able to move a big touring production around are colossal. But the biggest thing is, is that you can do three gigs in Europe or travel the border of three countries, and then you have to come back to the UK and then start again. Why? Because of the way that uh, the legislation and the way that the deal was, was struck. Oh, so you have to keep going backwards and forwards? Yeah, essentially. And if you're taking a big touring production, say take that or on tour, Therefore, you, people. You, can't, you just simply can't do that. And so, um, yeah, I mean, basically, British music, musicians already, you know, starved of uh, income during the lockdown for the last eighteen months, are uh, bemoaning, you know, the fact that they can't take it on the road in in Europe anymore. And that's terrible for the environment too. They're constantly oh, totally. backwards and forwards. I mean, you know, touring productions are pretty bad for the environment anyway. And I know that a lot of bands will spend a lot of time, you know, buying carbon offset and all those sort of things and try and find ways of reducing waste. But the, the nature of festivals and, and touring sta stadium productions particularly is they're very very expensive which uh, we'll, we'll talk about ABBA in a minute um, about after the interview but uh, there's some interesting thoughts there alongside that sort of um, issue if you like um, anything else that's caught you eye in the news this week well um, only uh, as always I you pick the big ones I pick the little ones um, so uh, I think it's HarperCollins um, have announced that they're going to publish um, some more Miss Marple stories. It's, there's been a 45-year hiatus in um, anyone attempting Miss Marple stories. Um, 
I mean, Agatha Christie, obviously the most well-known one. Um, so this compilation is going to include uh, Kate Moss, Val McDermott, Ellie Griffith, Ruth Ware, who we recently discovered, didn't we? And um, Lucy Foley, who's sort of a you know a new uh, voice in the crime genre. So it's quite exciting. It just goes to show that that sort of cosy crime, the Miss Marple formula, mm. is still very popular. Oh, very much so. I mean, it's the inspiration for, for an awful lot of fiction that is hugely successful internationally still. Lots of, I mean, you know, we, we have cornered the market in cosy in we the have. UK without question. And I think it is thanks to Agatha. Oh, yeah, without 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 a doubt. Um, she is the, the, the godmother of the whole industry. Having said industry. that, I used to love Murder, She Wrote, and that was American, wasn't it? Yeah. But it was very Agatha Christie. I loved really. it though. <laughs> Meets Hollywood. Yeah, no, I, I no, I, I totally agree with you. But I, I think it's interesting. I mean, were there any? Can I just ask a slightly controversial question? In that list of authors who are, con, you know, contributing new Miss Marple stories, any blokes? Um, oh, that's not the full list. That's only the list of people I recognise. Okay, of. well, well, I'll tell you what. When we're that's during a the good question during the interview, we can research whether any any guys have had a chance to whether it's just been gender, you know, following on from Agatha. There has to be a woman writing it because the list of names you gave me they were all yeah, women. they are all women. Yeah, so that's an interesting question. Well, that's an interesting thing. So, uh, <laughs> what else has developed this week? Well, um, Bloody Scotland announced their uh, shortlist for the McIlvany Prize, and sadly. Our own Mark Whiteman did not make the, no, the short list. But, he um, did very well to make the long list. So. Absolutely. And congratulations to those who have been uh, shortlisted. So we'll look forward to uh, seeing you receive your award, whoever wins it. I know, because we're going and we are <laughs> very excited. Yeah, just over a week away, really. I can't well, believe it. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we are very excited. Nobody is allowed to get tested positive for COVID in the next two weeks. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And there was a big article in the Sunday Times today. Uh, which dealt with, you know, uh, the hook was that Stephen King makes his return to Scotland. Sort of. Sort of, yeah, by video link. But uh, we have booked tickets for that, haven't we? We have, yeah. So we're very excited to see Stephen King in the virtual flesh. Yeah, he's got a very strange voice. I mean, you know, he had a big accident. Is it a know, bit and... nerdy? Yes, it is, actually. It is a bit like that, yeah. Well, can you do a Stephen King? No, I can't, but I think you came quite close right, to getting it. Next week, that's your homework. I'd like you to research how to do. It's Stephen a bit King. like it's a bit like Stephen Hawking without the the robotic. An American nerdy voice. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Now's not the time for me to bring out my Stephen Hawking, is it? <laughs> too soon. Too soon. But uh, he does a brilliant Stephen Hawking. I do do. It's but that's, some, but it that's really something is. for the, the for the bar at Bloody Scotland. I've had a few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we've you know I've rubbed shoulders if that's the right thing with with Stephen Hawking. Um, wheels. I don't know. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, over the years. And, yes, uh, you have. There's great stories. But if you go to Bloody Scotland, please yeah. approach us and ask us. Do please. <laughs> Just a reminder, of course, that Hobeck have reopened our our submissions this week, and uh, they're open for a month. And we have been absolutely swamped, have we not? It's been, yeah, I mean, the, the, the response, it's fantastic. You know, I, I feel humbled almost that, you know, people <laughs> want to submit their manuscripts to us because um, I narrated a blog, in, a blog about this um, earlier this week that, you know, when we started out, we thought, how do we tell people we exist? And and now, 18 months later, we all we do is put a tweet out and we, we get, you know, a whole load of submissions and some really interesting ones in amongst what we've had so far. So I'm looking forward to going through those. Yeah. Uh, please bear with us because, uh, you know, we want to give everybody fair crack. Yeah. So if you don't hear, I mean, I've acknowledged um, the emails I've had so far, but if you don't hear anything till 
um, the end of September. That's just because we want to, yeah. Well, we're basically not looking at them until such time not as they're in all detail, in. No, no. Um, I've um, had a quick scan just because I'm nosy, but no, I'm, I'm keeping myself <laughs> in virgin territory with that and, and, and not looking. So, well, uh, well, let's get into our interview and we'll uh, pick up threads at the end of it. But uh, Matthew J. Holmes, uh, I first sort of stumbled upon his books on Amazon adverts uh, probably about a month ago. It wasn't very long ago. And uh, he's done one on Facebook and also on the general principles of author marketing. He's got 10 years of digital marketing experience, some of which he's applied to promoting his wife's books in the fantasy genre with uh, enormous success. And now... He's extended that to not only providing these books, but also uh, a number of services for authors and uh, a brilliant newsletter, which is full of hints, tips and tricks and the latest uh, information on how to master the the various platforms. Uh, Let's be honest, we use Facebook and Amazon particularly and a bit of BookBub thrown in with mixed results, really. Um, Some have gone well and some haven't. And it's sometimes difficult to judge why one worked and one didn't. It's the most frustrating part of our business for me. I I love all the editorial and the production and design, but the marketing and specifically on those two platforms, Facebook and Amazon, I find it frustrating because when you think you've mastered something and it's going reasonably well and you think that's brilliant and then (laughs) it just changes. It does. Things change, but also... uh, there's no doubt that it's getting more and more complex. Amazon, for instance, in the UK have added a whole load of new functionality and things that you can judge your performance on. And that's just another, I mean, you know, for a lot of people who enjoy figures, that's wonderful. For someone like me, it just is bamboozling. So we've reached out to to, to Matt to speak to us today, but also to, to work with us on some future projects. And together, we uh, hope to, you know, prove his principles right, which you're about to hear in this very uh, illuminative and useful interview with Matthew J. Holmes. Hi Adrian, hi Rebecca, thank you for having me on, it's a pleasure to be here, looking forward to it. We are too, because you know we've been looking at your website and we've been speaking as well uh, about uh, the, the whole vexed issue of author adverts, principally on Facebook, Amazon of course and, and BookBub, mm-hmm. and, and this is an area uh, of expertise for you, but um, for most mm-hmm. of us it is an area of mystery. Angst. Angst. <laughs> it was for me at one point. Yeah. So, I mean, my first question really is: is at what stage did they start to start, you know, making sense for you? Um. Well, initially we were. Well, to give you a bit of a backstory, how I got into it really is probably the best way to start. Is yeah. that my wife is an author, and. Uh, so she writes fantasy novels and it all started when she initially she wanted to be traditionally published so went down that route this was five or six years ago something like that and we just got nowhere you know the typical sort of rejection letters again and again and again and then we decided to go right let's get let's give this self-publishing thing a go so we went down that route and we just sort of relied on organic traffic really and got nowhere pretty much and we were we were also we were wide as well so we weren't exclusive to Amazon initially we were wide and things just it was just a very very slow trickle and I thought right something's got to got to do something here because nothing's nothing's working we can't rely on organic traffic this was four or five years ago we were making probably between three and five hundred dollars a month something like that just on organic stuff and she only had a couple of books out then perhaps even one book actually yeah just the one book out then 
So nothing was really taking. So we sort of dived into finding someone that could run the ads for us, which we did. And that worked for a while. And then I sort of, I started looking into it a bit more myself because I'd, I'd always sort of enjoyed the marketing element of running my own business, which was um, something I've been doing for about 10 years now in a completely different field. Um, but it was something I enjoyed doing. I'd enjoyed doing Facebook ads and Google ads. And so advertising and marketing was something I enjoyed doing. And I sort of decided, right, I'm just going to try and do these books myself now because we sort of parted ways with the company that we were, who were doing the advertising for us. And I started with Facebook ads and I just started with, it was five or $10 a day I started with. And we started getting results within probably a week or so. We suddenly saw a big jump in um, royalties and sales and page reads. And by this time we'd gone exclusive to Amazon because we'd given the wide, um, the wide approach a go and it hadn't worked. So we just focused on, focused on Amazon and that had been a good decision really because we haven't come out of it since and it's made a massive massive difference and so we initially tried the Facebook ads and that was yeah about spending five or ten dollars a day I think initially and we saw a good good result from that and then I thought I don't like relying on one platform to do everything for us you know if because it has happened and the Facebook, our Facebook ads account has been shut down in the past. And you think, Oh, I've got, yes. yeah, we've I've got nothing. <laughs> I've got nothing. Yeah. It's not a nice place to be when all your eggs are into Facebook ads. That's your only means of driving traffic. And it suddenly goes down for a week or two weeks or sometimes, you know, unfortunately for some authors, it can go down permanently, which is a very tricky place to be. And so that's when I sort of started learning about Amazon ads and running those for my and then we had promos things coming up and launches and then I dove into book pub ads um so I I mean the best way to explain it really is I I learned by making mistakes and spending a lot of money um <laughs> and that's the only really that's the only real way that you can learn this stuff is you have to it's it's all well and good you know learning and reading books and taking courses and things but until you start actually implementing this stuff um that's when the rubber really hits the road and that's when you start learning and everything starts clicking into place so I had you know to answer your original question Adrian around this very long-winded way of saying it um I had some experience marketing and advertising before so I knew quite a lot of stuff about metrics um like cost per clicks and uh, CPM cost per mill and click-through rates and all that kind of stuff so I had a good understanding of that um but relating it to books it probably took me three to six months to really get my head around it um and I was in the ads dashboards most you know most days doing that um so that's sort of yeah where I came from and where I've you know how I've got to where I am today so it has been it's been a yeah quite a quite a long process probably you know from my early days of actually advertising outside of the area of books it's probably been eight or nine years advertising. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a lot of money has been spent and yeah. a lot of mistakes have been made, but also out of that, a lot of lessons have been learned. As I think well. you make a very interesting point there. And it's something that we've sort of, we've had to learn is that you, you do have to spend money on the errors in order to mm-hmm. find out what the errors are and, and sort of 
try and work out you know what went why that didn't work and and also I found that sometimes something doesn't work for one particular book for us anyway mm-hmm. that yeah, was yeah. really successful with a different one and and Absolutely. I think that's what yeah. makes it so difficult <laughs> it is there's no sort of off the shelf thing you can take and it's going to work straight away from day one there are things you have to tweak for each book that you're advertising and yeah it's, it's going to depend on genre it's going to depend on whether you're advertising a series or a standalone um there's so many different variables that come into play with uh, advertising and it's it's tricky because the the, the actual unit cost of mm-hmm. an ebook is yeah. by its very nature because of the nature of them of the the fact that there are thousands of titles um mm-hmm. either perma free or at 99 yeah. cents or pence mm-hmm. that it's it you know if you if you're selling it uh, i think a lot of your titles uh, are sort of 399 and we're sort of set around the 299 mark for most of ours mm-hmm. it is it you know there's not a lot of margin there no 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 it's, it's very difficult you're working with very low margin so you have to sort of have you know the conversion's got to be pretty high to be able to make it profitable for you um otherwise you can yeah you can soon get into the hole with advertising and you know and different platforms perform differently as well the on i mean there's no hard and fast rules but typically the facebook ads because you're doing something known as like interruption marketing or interruption advertising you're interrupting somebody's time on their newsfeed with an advert and they're not necessarily looking at facebook to find their next book you know they they're going there to chat with friends or to see what their friends and family are up to they're not there to buy books whereas on amazon people are there to buy books so your advertising on amazon can perform a lot better from a conversion standpoint um but that being said facebook ads you know for me they have almost always outperformed amazon ads but that's going to differ it does differ between different genres and different authors and different books so when when advertising you know for for new authors that i work with we always start on one platform first and then once we start getting results with that platform then we layer on the next platform um because you know each platform obviously requires its own budget and if you're learning this yourself if you're trying to learn facebook ads amazon ads and bookbub ads from day one Mm. on your own that's a lot of that's a lot of information you need to take in a lot of stuff you need to learn um and the different intricacies of each platform and you're going to be spreading yourself too thin and a lot of self-published authors they're obviously writing as well so they're trying to write their books research their books potentially as well and they're trying to you know organize promotions and launches and they're in touch with um advanced reader copy you know uh, beta readers as well and and then they're trying to learn advertising as well on top of all that it's a lot to it's a lot to learn so i always recommend to authors i work with that we start on one platform to begin with and layer on from there as you know time goes on and when budget allows as well yeah i think that's very good advice because basically a self-published author is a working as a publisher publishing company they're doing everything exactly yeah yeah that's right they are yeah yeah and and what we've found is that you know we have dabbled and well not dabbled we've we've, (laughs) we have spent a lot of money with with all those platforms um Mm -hmm. and yet 
you know, it's very hard for us, at, even at this stage, you know, a year into our publishing journey, over a year now, um, to judge success. What is, I mean, because you read the books and they say, don't turn off an advert, you know, just because it's not making a profit at this stage. It, mm-hmm. you know, it, it could actually be doing a very good job for you. Um, although that's harder to, to, to justify if you haven't got a series. Um, you know, it might be that, you know, if you're advertising book one of a four or five or six, seven, eight book series that then goes mm-hmm. on, you know, hooks somebody in, then uh, yep. you can make a loss on the first uh, ad and, and, and make an awful, you know, an awful lot of money on the back end. Um, yes. But it's much harder with a standalone. Yes, standalones are very, very tricky to be profitable. Um, and I mean, the... I've got one author that I work with um, who we're advertising standalone books for him. And we've come a long way from where he, from where he was, but we're still not quite break even yet. Um, it's, it's nearly there, but it's taken six or seven weeks so far to go from sort of a thousand dollars in the hole to we're about a hundred dollars in the hole now. Mm. So it's, it's getting there, but it's a very slow process. It's very difficult with standalones. And, you know, we're adding, we've added links from at the end of each book to the other books in his catalogue, but there's obviously no, you don't get the read through that you do with the series. Um, You know, fortunately he does write in the same genre, which is useful. And a lot of people do go on to buy his other books, but it's making that really obvious and a real, really clear to the readers where the next step is for them. Because a lot, he gets a lot of emails saying, you know, before we added these calls to action at the end of each book, he was, you know, he was getting emails from readers saying, what else have you got? What else can I read of you? I love your work. And, you know, it's just very difficult to to get that. But with the series, yeah, it's, it's, it makes logical sense to go from book one to book two to book three and so on. And if you've got a 10, 15, 20 book series, that can, you know, you can very easily lose money on the first one or two books on your advertising and you're going to make your profit on the read through providing you have got good read through and you know, you don't upset readers at the end of book one you know, with a nasty cliffhanger <laughs> or something. <laughs> oh yeah, that's it. Yep, exactly. So, you know, as long as you think about that as well, then it can make the ads much more profitable. Um, but to your point, Adrian, as well about um, uh sort of almost tracking i think you did you mention tracking or yeah you know, seeing, yeah, seeing yeah, what judging, ads are profitable success, yeah yeah judging success yeah i mean with with facebook ads in particular that's very very tricky to to track um i mean you can use um amazon associate tracking links which is against amazon's terms of service but a lot of authors use them and what they allow you to do is to use a specific link in your Facebook ads that you can then track how many sales have come from that particular ad from through that particular link. Um, so that makes things a little bit easier, but, but what you can't track is Kindle limited borrows. So yeah. you know, that's, you've, there's no way of doing that with Facebook ads. The only way you can do that is with Amazon ads, which they've added a metric now where we can actually track how many pages have been read through a particular ad and attribute that back to a, an ad or a keyword or a target of some sort. But yeah, tracking and seeing what's profitable is very, very difficult. You know, with Facebook ads, you can make a decision based on cost per clicks or, you know, click through rate, for example, but you may have 
like a an amazing cost per click of five cents a click, but you have no idea if that's converting without knowing you know the full picture. You can't see the full picture. Mm, um, having five pen- we've had. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's very difficult to do. Um, so Amazon Associates links, although against Amazon terms of service, they're the only real way that you can really track this stuff. Yeah, and and one of the issues, I, I guess, is you know there is a risk reward element to all of this, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, upsetting Facebook as we've mentioned, getting locked out of your account, <laughs> or indeed, yes, uh, yes. breaking their terms of service. I mean, it can be yeah. fatal for can. Uh, for an, an indie publisher or or writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. They can they could shut down your KDP account for whatever reason at any point. Um, and Facebook, yeah, they 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 shut down accounts for a lot of the time for no apparent reason, and it's just some automated rule or system that's just shutting accounts down here, there, and everywhere. And you're you know you're sort of you've got no control over that, you know, providing you don't do anything against Facebook's policies in your ads. You know, sometimes we've had accounts shut down, and there's absolutely nothing wrong. And we hear from Facebook a few days later and say, "Oh, sorry, it was a it was a automated." Yeah, I mean, the same that happened. happened and, I think it yeah. took, I spent a, a few hours trying to work out what on earth I'd done to upset them, reading the ads and looking at yeah. the images and thinking, "Nope, it was definitely nothing." No, <laughs> and then contacting them, and they contact me back saying, "We'll look into it." And it, it was about three weeks, wasn't it? Until yeah. they, they then yeah. said, three "Oh, weeks, sorry, yeah. it was a mistake." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it. And it's all that's out of your control. It's very frustrating, particularly when you've got all your eggs in Facebook ads doing all the marketing for you, which is why it's good to sort of spread the spread the risk, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're beginning to paint a picture. Why would anyone do this? But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're painting a negative that's picture here, really, aren't we? It's no. a challenge, isn't it? I think that that's part of it. a challenge, it's, it's, yes. You're, you're uh, mastering something that's very difficult to master. Yes, yeah, that's right. It is very difficult to master. It does take time, yeah does take some time but it, it but it's worth it in the end um you know bef- to give you some to give you some sort of figures if you like to, to yeah. show what's possible um with my wife's books i obviously won't go into details about um my client's work but my wife is strictly speaking one of my clients i suppose but um <laughs> um so with her books we yeah as i mentioned we were sort of starting on when we started we were earning between sort of three and five hundred dollars a month mainly towards the three hundred dollars a month um that's where it leaned towards and then when we started advertising we were you know within the first month we we're up to about fifteen hundred dollars something like that um and then now we're up to sort of five or six thousand dollars a month with three books wow. um that's- that's that's encouraging (laughs) yes yeah and that's mainly with facebook ads it's probably that's probably 80 percent facebook ads is is doing all that and but that's taken some time to get there and obviously there's something called um ad variance so you know some days your results are going to be not as good as the day before and for apps you know what appears on the surface to be no apparent reason um, but that's just something that happens with advertising, and obviously, the more books you sell through your ad, through your ads, whether that's Facebook ads or Amazon ads or BookBub ads, that's going to affect your ranking on Amazon. Mm. And then you're going to get, you know, the the better your ranking on Amazon, the more organic sales you're going to get. So, and there, you know, the organic sales are 
sales that you make without, you know, not directly from the ads. Um, so they're almost free sales, if you like, that you haven't actually paid for through yes. the advertising. That's the ones um, you want. <laughs> the ones you want, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. But in order to sort of you know, tickle the algorithm, you need the ads to start generating sales for you because relying on organic sales 100% is, unfortunately, it's, yeah, it's a, something that doesn't happen much anymore. No, it's, it's, it's we can't really rare, do it. Isn't it? Like yeah. if, if one of your authors mm. appears on television like that, happened to us. Once. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yep, exactly. That sort of thing. Yeah, yep. You can see a big spike in sales then if yeah if one of your authors appears on uh, on TV definitely. <laughs> so um, if I may, if we getting into the numbers, um, yeah, of course. Uh, what sort of I mean that's the that's the 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 return. What what's the sort of mm-hmm. spend on to to generate that sort of level of of return on your wife's books? We're spending around anywhere between fifteen hundred and two thousand dollars a month. So a three you know uh, return on investment of you know three times what yeah. you're, you're spending. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, some days, you know, we see sort of 2x on our ad spend and other times it can be three or four. Mm. Um, And, you know, nothing changed. We don't change the ads. Nothing changes. You know, the books say the same, the product page stays the same, but that's just ad variance and it happens. But the important thing with advertising really is that you don't want to look at things on a day-to-day basis. That's, yeah, that's good to understand, but really the most important thing is looking at things over an extended period of time. So over a yes. month, um, the day to day isn't as important as the overall, the extended period of time. So if you're looking at things over a 30 day period, that's going to be much more reliable data than the day to day. No, I think that's true because there are other factors, aren't there? Like the, the, the mm-hmm. time of year, whether it's a bank holiday, oh, yeah. <laughs> whether yeah. the economy is doing very well. <laughs> exactly. Oh, this has, yeah, exactly. Yep. A pandemic can, Yep, that certainly affects things. And then you've got some holidays. You've got elections in the in the USA, for example. Um, there's all sorts of very different factors that can play a role. You know, it could be a really hot, sunny day, and everyone's out on the beach and not, yeah, not inside. <laughs> yeah, not looking at Facebook. Exactly, exactly. So all these things come into come into play. And then, you know, with different, you know, the um, US elections, for example, last year, you know, we saw a bit of an increase in cost per clicks because. Um, of the candidates for the US election who were, you know, paying, a, they were advertising a lot on Facebook. They were spending multiple, multiple millions of dollars on Facebook. And, you know, that obviously has an impact on everyone else because mm. it's a sort of simple supply and demand situation. Facebook have got a limited supply of inventory for where ads can go. They don't want to blast all their users with ads all the time. And suddenly there's a lot of demand for these spaces, for this inventory on their news feeds and their ecosystem as a whole. And prices have to go up. So we all see a little bit of an increase in cost per clicks. Absolutely. Now, it's quite a leap, though, from, from managing, you know, the uh, advertising spend for your, for your wife's books to mm-hmm. taking on clients and, and applying yeah. principles and, and knowledge that you've gained. And that's quite mm-hmm. a responsibility. So when did you yeah. make that switch? That was probably, I sort of started thinking about it about a couple of years ago. Um, and then it's been about probably about a year now, just under a year that I've been doing it for other, other clients, you know, other, other authors. So it was quite a, quite a jump quite a leap and um but it's I absolutely love it because you know I'm I've obviously learned a lot through doing my wife's books advertising my wife's books and 
I love the challenge and um, some of these books are more of a challenge to advertise and it's really making me, you know, making me think and making me come up with more creative ways to advertise the books. And it's, I love speaking to other authors and, you know, um, helping them succeed with ads because it's, you know, a lot of these authors, I well, open which all of these authors that I work with, they want to focus on the writing. They haven't got the headspace to be able to learn advertising. And, you know, a lot of them have tried it in the past on their own. And they haven't seen the results they wanted to see. So that's where I step in and, you know, run them, run the ads for them. Um, so they can focus on their writing, you know, doing what they do best, working on their craft. So it was quite, quite a leap. And I've obviously got a lot of responsibility spending other authors' money on the advertising as well. But um, yep, so far we're all positive and uh, we haven't made any losses yet. So yeah, all looking good. <laughs> Wow. Am, am I right in thinking most of your clients are US based? Yes, the majority are. We've got a couple in Denmark, um, and yeah, a couple in the UK, and but most of them, yeah, eighty percent of them are in the US. Yeah. So does that does that have a sort of a, a different challenge then? Because obviously you you're advertising for your wife, which is mm-hmm. a UK author. So having mm-hmm. to switch to a, uh, predominantly US is that sort of was that quite a different challenge? Um. My wife's books were her predominant order. Sorry, get my words out. My her predominant audience was in the US anyway. Okay. Um, so sort of about 85, 90% of her sales come from the US. Um, yeah, fantasy is pretty big over there and it's less it's less of a thing over in the UK. It's she's still got a bit of an audience in the UK, but the the majority of it is over in the US. So from that point of view, it wasn't such a big uh, leap, if you like, in terms of running the ads for these US-based authors. And I think actually a lot of the authors I work with, their main audience is in the US, and the US does make a really good testing ground for advertising. So I tend to start there anyway, Mm. advertising books for authors, and then when budget allows and we've got some good data that works in the US, then we can bring that out to other countries like the uk obviously there's going to be a few um things we need to tweak just to make it more relevant to that particular audience and sometimes some audiences that worked in the us don't work in the uk and vice versa but a lot of the time there is a bit of mirroring going on there so they do work they do work well together but the us is a really good testing ground for advertising because it's just the biggest market for for books and particularly kindle unlimited as well Absolutely. And, and and one of the other advantages is that there are different, I mean, the, the, the uh, amount of um, functionality that Amazon offers in terms of ads mm-hmm. in the United States is completely different to anywhere else in the world. I mean, the UK is catching yeah. up a little bit, but it is. You yeah. know, you've got different categories of ads and mm-hmm. just a lot more sophistication on the, on the Amazon for .com as opposed to .co.uk and certainly Australia or Canada. Yes. Yeah. There's a big difference. That's where Amazon seem to put a lot of their money is into the U S Amazon advertising platform. And yeah, it's, and also, you know, with the Kindle unlimited side of things as well, they have a better page read rate over in the U S as well. So authors earn more from page reads in the U S than they do in the UK or Australia or Canada, for example. Um, So that's a big thing. And also, yeah, just the you know, the different options that Amazon ads in the US offer, they tend to roll them out there first and then they get rolled out to the other 
you um amazon ad platforms like the uk and australia and canada but yeah they're obviously you know the us and the uk and sorry the uk australia and canada are quite way behind in terms of the capabilities and functionalities of the amazon.com the yeah, the us uh, amazon ads platform yeah yeah and i noticed that one new facet they've offered in america recently is something called opportunities which mm-hmm. uh, i don't yeah. know if you've explored yet but uh, from what i can gather is that once they've gathered enough data they might suggest uh, you know there's an opportunity for you advertised to this audience for this sort of money then you you're going to you're going to be quids in or something um <laughs> yes yeah that's it yeah. They, they yeah, they make, it. yeah that's it they make it quite appealing but um yeah so hopefully that'll be rolled out to the other platform soon i haven't dove, dove into it much yet but um it's something that i'm looking into more and more yeah because yeah i mean it's it's obviously gonna be based on some sort of algorithm in the background of how but until you actually test those things we're not going to know you know we no. can obviously we can obviously rely on sorry we yeah you know, we could rely on on that data from amazon and say yep yeah, this is definitely going to work but until we actually test it we really don't know that well, that's uh, to, to, to watch. And of course, <laughs> A plus content has come in into the UK as yes. well as in the States. And that's yeah, a we've huge boon as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, that's a big difference. Things look. Now, you, mm. uh, we, ought to, we ought to say also, that, I mean, we talk about your wife's books, but you have books too. Yes, you're an author. Well, yes, I suppose so, <laughs> yes. I've written, I've just written three books. Um, so one of them is on basic advertising principles really for authors and then another one is on amazon ads and the third one is on facebook ads so those are the three books that i've written so far that have yeah they've been well received by authors so i've had some good feedback on them which is which Ooh. is obviously really nice you, you've and, read uh, one haven't you which one I, yeah i've read your amazon ads one i mean that, that was my jumping in yeah. point for um for reaching out to you and and, and starting oh, our you. conversation i need to read the facebook one then you do my, my ah, the basic one <laughs> <laughs> oh yes yeah reckon you're the facebook and I, I, think, I, I think what struck me most um matt when when i when i read yours was i've read a lot of them and you know, signed up signed up the course <laughs> i mean i have a terrible level of attention deficit <laughs> um you know that i will reach a, a certain threshold and that you know the, my head can't take any more information but i have to say i got deeper into yours for longer chunks than than almost any of the other books out there because i think that um, <laughs> you. know, they're very clearly expressed but you know you're not you're not filling it with um with i suppose quite a few people get tempted to uh, spend more time talking about their their philosophy and uh, brag about their success yours is much mm. more d- direct down to earth and practical than many of the other books well thank you yeah it's um yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, when I write stuff, I'm not sort of, I don't sort of add fluff, if you like, I just sort of get straight to the point and get into it, which is how, you know, they're, they're the sort of books I like to read myself, where we just get straight into the action and just get going on it, um, yeah. rather than sort of beating around the bush. So, and then with the, yeah, with each of the books, I've sort of broken it down into seven days. Um, so, you know, it's day one, do this, day two, do that, day three, and so on. And that's, that's sort of how I like to work. I like to have, you know, personally i like to work with lists and i have you know that each week mapped out each day mapped out and i can tick things off as i go down through the day and and that's sort of how i've laid out the books really is you know in a sort of seven day step-by-step guide that um for authors to follow to set up their you know to set up their ads but then before we get into that into that the actual building then i think it's also 
worth covering a bit of the groundwork as well and you know, understand the fundamentals of a platform before you start advertising on it. So I covered that in the books as well, which sure. I think is important sure. to know a good I, foundation. I think that's true. I think if you just plough in, you, you A, get overwhelmed and also yeah. you just you don't know what you're doing. And so... <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I I sort of, I understand these platforms quite well, um, pretty well. And, you know, I think I take a lot of stuff for granted. So that, that I know that perhaps other authors, well, perhaps yeah, a lot of authors wouldn't know if they've never advertised on there before. So mm-hmm. I have to sort of step back into my shoes of you know five, 10 years ago and think, right, what did I not know then that I do know now and what do I need to explain to people about a platform before you know before we dive into the the the, you know the step-by-step you know what what do people need to understand about a platform they you know I I understand the click-through rates and cost per clicks and all this kind of stuff but for someone brand new to advertising they may not have have not have a clue what those terms mean so you know it's important to understand the the fundamentals of a platform before you start you know playing around and diving in and spending money Absolutely. And I think the, you know, you also offer um, in terms of through the book, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you direct a lot of people to your, to your website where there are lots of resources where you've come up with spreadsheets and, and, and other mm-hmm. items that, that can help people, uh, you know, keep across the data and understand, you know, what's being fed back to them. Because one of the problems with these advertising platforms, as we've already talked about, is mm-hmm. that uh, they offer some data and increasingly yeah. Amazon offer more and more. Than yes, they're getting much better. Yeah, But it's still, you know, you're still reading the runes a little bit um, in some yeah. of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... Uh, you know your your website, um, which uh, bear with me. I'm just going to actually. Why don't you, you you tell us where we can find you on online? Oh yeah, thank you. It's uh, MatthewJHolmes.com. That's Matthew with two T's. Brilliant. And and I'm just clicking on now actually to the the sort of level of resources. I mean, it, there's some fantastic um, things that you've you've added there in terms of uh your guide you know one page guide to to marketing so that you know you can create a plan there's a launch mm-hmm. guide there's the um some also some 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 uh spreadsheets which allow you to sort of plan your amazon ads and your mm-hmm. facebook ads and all that sort of thing it, it's superb but then you know also you've got a, a really lengthy list of some of the promo sites some of which we've used in the past but yeah. there are there are about another dozen that i hadn't Oh, I mean, that before. was really useful for us, wasn't it? Because yeah. sometimes <laughs> you go into Google and you think, I need to find more, I don't know, say, promo sites as an example, and you just put it in the in the search bar. And yep. I very quickly get overwhelmed with the information. I think, well, I don't know what's good. Yeah. You know, people giving you advice on different websites, people saying, avoid this one, or someone else says it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it is good to have a sort of a, just a list of... Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's useful to, to know. And I've you know, I've obviously tested each of these myself and seeing good results with them so uh, I think I thought yeah you know what let's put them out there and you know stop people experience what you've experienced Rebecca and being completely overwhelmed by all this choice and so many conflicting opinions about what works what doesn't work and um yeah so that's a useful list for people to to look through and you know to help them plan with their promotions and launches yeah that's excellent and one of the um I mean there are uh, other sort of third-party uh, tools that you recommend and use so mm-hmm. uh, i'm thinking particularly of helium 10 tell us yep. tell us what that is and and what that offers some you know someone following 
you, you know those books that um that you've written uh what that where that fits into the methodology yeah of course so helium 10 is it's a paid tool it's quite expensive but they do offer a free version of the tool um and one of the great things about it is you can do something called a reverse asin lookup so what you can do is particularly if this is for amazon ads really and potentially for your kdp keywords as well so your keywords for your book that you add when you upload the book um and reverse asin lookup is where you put in the asin of another book so that could be the book of someone in your genre you add this asin into the tool and it's going to give you a page of results of keywords that are associated with that particular book that you could then use in your amazon ads or in your kdp keywords so it's a really useful tool for finding potential keywords for your for your ads and your kdp and that's um a yeah with the paid with the paid version of helium 10 you can get unlimited use of that tool but with the free version you can get two searches a day with that so you could put in the asin of two books a day and you know look at the keywords that they're using in their ads or in their um, KDP keywords, and you could potentially look at the competitiveness of those keywords. And also, they have a sorry about that. They have no, a. No they also have a tool in that it's like a Chrome plugin, a Google Chrome plugin that you put in to yeah add to Google Chrome. And what you can do there is on a book product page that you're looking at, you can look back at how a particular book has ranked over the past 90 days, 30 days, seven days. And you can see what, you know, you can also see where they perhaps drop the price and you can see the impact that that price drop had on the rank of a book. Mm. So that's a really interesting tool that you can look at. Um, so that they're the main two sort of, Functions that the tool functions, yeah, that's, that I use a piece industrial espionage. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> there's a bit, that's there's a bit, yeah, though. it's very a bit useful. big brother. Yeah, it's very useful, very useful. They do have a lot of other tools. I mean, primarily Helium 10 is built for Amazon sellers, so selling anything but books, you know, like your lawnmowers and your shavers and toothbrushes, those yeah. sort of sellers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it, it's, it can be useful as well for authors. Yeah, so that's primarily what I use Helium 10 for, just those two functions, really. Brilliant. And in terms of, I mean, one of the things that bewilders people, and it's bewildered us, I must admit. What, the meaning know, of life? Well, no, but, <laughs> I mean, that, that, is, that is still beyond Helium 10, I think. Probably. Yes, that is, yeah. I'm, I'm sure, Matt, you've got a better grip on it than us, but none of us are probably stretching it. But, but I, <laughs> I, I, I think the thing that, that overwhelms people when they're looking at both platforms, particularly Facebook and, 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 and Amazon as opposed to BookBub, is that initial... You know, because we, you know we've gone down the road of creating comparison author lists on Excel for all of our authors. I mean, we've got seventeen mm-hmm. authors, and you know, uh, I will spend maybe an hour or two a week. Uh, I'll pick an, one of our authors, and I think, right, I'm going to go and delve and find <laughs> what categories they're showing up in, who are successful in that ca- those categories. You know, how many books have they got? Go and find their ASIN numbers, all that stuff. I mean, that's yep. quite quite involved. Um, yeah, it's pretty laborious. And yeah, and that's before you're even dipping into keyword searches, which I I find totally bewildering. If I'm honest, mm-hmm. um, it's a lot 
it's a lot of data to scrape and to to manage and to uh, to apply and, and and you know I mean, I, I, I just wonder where mm-hmm, you find the definitely. time to be able to do all these things and run, <laughs> run, run campaigns for clients because, you know, it's, it's exhaustive. It is. It is. It's a long, laborious process. And I mean, yeah, the the way I sort of do keywords and yeah, find keywords for Amazon ads, for example, and finding ASINs. There's a, there's a tool for ASINs actually called Pick ASIN, which is another Google Chrome plugin. And that will allow you to just go down the search results, click on a on a on a book, and it's going to start creating a list of ASINs you can pull into your Amazon ads. So that's a really quick tool. Rather than going into each book, copying the ASIN into a spreadsheet, blah blah blah, it takes a lot of time. This pick ASIN tool allows you to do it straight from the search results, which is a really handy tool. Mm-hmm. And that's a free Google Chrome plugin. And but then with with keywords, yes, they, it does take a lot of time. And there are tools like Publisher Rocket, for example. Yes. Um, which is, it can save you a lot of time um, and it can pick out some really good keywords. I, although Publisher Rocket can export a big list of keywords straight from its, from the app, it's straight into, you can bring it straight into your Amazon ads campaigns. I find I get much better results when I, almost hand create that list yes so i yeah find a list of keywords from publisher rocket for example and then i'll hand curate it i'll look at each of them in amazon on the actual amazon site itself each one and i'll look at how relevant those particular keywords are what sort of results they're bringing up is the book i'm advertising relevant to those keywords and so i'll do that for each one and also i don't sort of do, you know, five, six, seven, 800, 900 keywords in a campaign. I'll start with sort of 20 or 40, 20, mm-hmm. between 20 and 40 keywords. So that makes things a lot easier for a start. Um, much less time intensive because you're not having to find the relevant, you know, look at the relevance of, eight, of 500 keywords. Um, and then, yeah, so I'll add those keywords, you know, between 20 and 40 into a single campaign in Amazon ads and that way you know your budget isn't going to be spread too thin if you're spending or you've budgeted you know ten dollars a day if you're trying to spread that between a thousand keywords yes you just it's going to take forever to get any data so trimming it down to that you know between 20 and 40 at least your keywords aren't going to be starved of budget you know they're going to at least get a decent chance of being able to prove themselves so that trims things down a lot and then in terms of finding other keywords, such as authors, for example, a good place to start is the also boughts on the book that you're advertising. And also if you go into the categories, the top 100 of the category of the book you're advertising, yes, you can yes. find some good authors in there. I mean, you know, they, you may think that these are good, These are going to work really well because, you know, they're on my also boughts and they're on the top 100 of this category that I'm in, but you don't really know until you actually test them. No. Um, they may not work at all, but so you've got to test them. But it's yeah, it's quite a, it's quite a, <laughs> it's quite a process to um, collect those keywords. But one way that you can do it as well, which is which can save quite a bit of time actually, is running an automatic targeting campaign on Amazon and letting Amazon do the research for you and let it run for a couple of weeks, depending on your budget. You know, if you're spending $10 a day 
or if you budgeted $10 a day, then it's unlikely Amazon's going to spend anywhere near that for a start. Yes. Um, so you want to give it at least sort of one to two weeks at that sort of ad spend just to start getting some data in. And then you can look at the search term reports for that campaign and you can pull out Amazon's going to find some keywords that you can pull out and use in a separate campaign. So it's essentially going to do a lot of the keyword research for you. And it's also going to find ASIN, so other books that have generated clicks and potentially sales and page reads that you can then pull out into their own campaign. So, yeah, there's the sort of manual approach of doing this or there's the automatic approach. I like to do a bit of both. I don't like to rely on one thing to do, you know, to do it all for me so i like to do a bit of both and do a bit of hand curation as well absolutely we're conscious of time um i mean there are so many resources that you offer at, uh, at your website but you've got your podcast which uh unlike mm-hmm. the hobcast which which sprawls <laughs> each week uh to over an hour uh you, they're quite tight they're they're very um uh, focused on on you know individual elements of what we've been talking about um mm-hmm. and that's uh so that's that's taken off what what sort of take up have you had on that um yeah it's it was quite sort of out of my comfort zone to do a podcast really <laughs> it was something yeah. i hadn't really considered before and not something i've never even considered but i thought you know i'm just going to try this and just you know try and get my you know i've learned a lot over the over the years i want to get it out to other authors and you know help them out so it's had a it's had a pretty good um um performance actually performance wise it's done pretty well and i mean numbers aren't huge or anything i probably get you know between 100 150 downloads a week something like that so it's not it's not huge and but as you say they are short sharp sort of tactical episodes um where i just dive into the weeds a bit about you know different strategies you can take with your advertising on the different platforms and no but feedback has been really good thank you i've had had some nice emails from authors who have found them you know have found particular episodes useful and they've applied them and they've got good results from them. So that's really nice to hear. So yeah, overall, very good. Thank you. But I'm only sort of 25 or so episodes in, so it's still early days. Yeah. Still early it kept days. us entertained on the way to Manchester. It so. did. It did. <laughs> good. That's <laughs> nice to hear. And you're obviously, you have a newsletter as well, which um, has a lot of the, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what you explore on your podcast is also kind of written up as well. And you, you're keeping mm-hmm. people abreast of, of changes and developments because one of the the great um i guess the the paroxysms that we all go through is when suddenly the algorithm changes on either of those platforms and well, so, it just looks yeah. different yeah. <laughs> yeah and suddenly suddenly a lot of the uh the wisdom that's been passed down you know passed out there is 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 no longer relevant but you you're you, no but that newsletter allows you to keep relevant and keep keep abreast of developments and keep you know your your subscribers across those Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I have like a, I do like a free newsletter each, each week, each Sunday, um, which is, yeah, it's, 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 it's quite a lengthy email that I, I do for that. Um, so people can sign up for that on the website. And then I also do um, a, a, like a premium newsletter, if you like, which is called Author Ads Insider. And that's, a, again, it's, it's a fairly lengthy email most weeks. But then on top of that, I do a video each week that accompanies that newsletter and in the video it's sort of like an over-the-shoulder type of video where I dive into the tactic or strategy that I'm discussing in the in the email itself so I explain it in the email and then I dive 
you know, dive much deeper in the video and sort of do like a walkthrough, if you like, of how I implement that strategy or that tactic into the ad campaigns itself. So, so that's sort of how I keep, yeah, keep authors sort of abreast of what's going on in the, in the advertising world. And, um, and, you know, I want to see them, you know, get results from the advertising because I know how frustrating it can be when you've tried all the things you've, you know, you've spent all this money and nothing's working. So I like to, you know, show, share, share what's working right now with author, authors, which is why I, I've done it this way. And, you know, I do a video and a newsletter each week rather than building a course that in six months time could be completely out of date. Um, no, that's, and that's an interesting then, approach. And I mean, mm-hmm. your, your broad message is that, you know, it is tougher than it was a few years ago to, yeah. uh, to have, you know, organic success is, is just impossible, almost impossible nowadays, but, um, mm-hmm. you would say, you know, remain optimistic if you, you know, if you, if you take a, a business approach and the way that you've done it, uh, mm-hmm. there are, uh, there are profits to be made out there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely possible. Um, it does take some time. So you do need patience. You need to be persistent with it. And yeah, you've, it's just, it just takes some time and it is going to take some money to find out what works for your books because what works for other authors may not work for you. And that's something that you need to test. But relying 100% on organic sales is unfortunately a thing of the past now. So advertising is something that you need to embrace. And as much as you may not enjoy it, it's something that if you want to you know, see a return on all this time you're putting into writing your books, then yes, you do need to embrace the advertising side of it. And as you say, Adrian, you need to come at it with a business head rather than a, you know, almost there's two there's two separate sides to writing isn't there there's the yes. the creative side of writing the books and then you need the business side of your brain to actually run the ads and manage the business side of you know actually making making money from this venture that you're that you're that you're um going down the, the you know the route you're going down with your books so yeah it does it does take some time unfortunately but the results are there for you and you just need to be persistent and uh, yeah, and don't give up on this. Don't, don't don't give up on it because it's you know a lot of authors have made their name through advertising, mm-hmm. but and they wouldn't have achieved that without without the ads. So it's it's worth you know you need to continue and embrace it. Absolutely, and we'll be working closer together with you in the future, which mm-hmm. we're very excited about. But yes, as too. you're now a member of the, <laughs> uh, the wider Hobeck family, uh, you have to face <laughs> okay. the, the ultimate challenge, which is yes, Rebecca's random question. Okay, Ooh, so my wait. question to you is, what two unusual food items do you love to eat together? So, for example, mine is cheese and ketchup sandwiches. What is yours? Okay, okay. Well, everyone uh, screws their nose up when I tell them this. But um, I, like, I like toast, brown toast with peanut butter, Marmite, jam, and lemon curd. Oh, my God. So it's just four things. All together, four <laughs> things rather than two. But, yeah, <laughs> that, that's, that's my thing. <laughs> Well, I think we're going to have to look again at the uh, the working relationship here. I mean, <laughs> so shocked about that. Well, we know what to buy. Yeah, no, poor, we know. Yeah, poor job. Yeah. there's a hamper on its way. Um, <laughs> its way. That's fantastic. I, I didn't I come up with that. That's fantastic. How <laughs> and when did you strike? Uh, you know, come across that as a combo? When I was about twelve. Yeah, when I was about twelve, and mum and dad had a lot of condiments in their cupboard so i thought i'd experiment one day and uh, have a look about sinks yeah so there you go well, I mean, how often do you eat this? 
uh, we don't have Levin Curdy much anymore, unfortunately. So maybe once a month, <laughs> not as much yeah. as I like to. But no, it's uh, yeah. Don't don't knock it till you've tried it. Have you not pregnant? <laughs> no, last time I checked, no. <laughs> well, I mean, actually, I mean, the reason that Rebecca and I got together a few years ago, or sort of uh, got back together, I suppose is the way to describe it, uh, was a post she put up with it was chili cheese and salad cream. It was so it was Mexicana cheese, yeah, cucumber yeah. and salad cream sandwiches. I had at midnight. I've just I've driven back Ooh, from a night okay. out, so completely sober, but I was really starving sober. hungry. Okay. <laughs> so you knocked that and up you in put the it on Facebook, and I. You know, responded to that post, and the rest is history. Yeah, the rest you is history. To come and wow. try my chili cheese. Oh, did you? <laughs> ah. that sounds and how like was it, Adrian? Euphemism, it? <laughs> yeah, chili cheese. Yeah. And how yeah. was it, Adrian? Yeah. Did it taste as good as it looked. <laughs> it was. Oh, it's divine. I recommend it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but I do like some unusual combinations because I also like to eat pickled cabbage, pickled onions, cheese. Um, what else? Branston pickle. All on in the same bowl. Yeah, <laughs> in the same bowl. Do, okay. Do pile up with the, the pickles. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think. Of what, what's my weird combination? <laughs> uh, I tell you what. I, I tell you what. I I love, and I haven't had it for a long time. Is is cornflakes, and after eight mints. Oh really? Yeah. In the same bowl with milk. Until you tried it, it's amazing. Oh. No, you don't in put the them in. You just eat. You know, you like. Uh, especially now that after eights have become what were mintolas are now after eight. The tube uh-huh. version. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so you have a you have a mouthful of cornflakes on the go. Uh, okay. And then you just pop one of those Ooh. in, and it's just. Okay. I might have to try that. It's, 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 a, it's a rush. Oh, that's new. That's a new one. That's a rush. <laughs> I should have to try that. Sugar rush. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. Being a yeah, sugar rush. Never, yeah. never a wise thing to. Uh, to oh sleep, no. You can't help it. <laughs> well, I, I I think Rebecca's random question has has brought much to life um and to life yes i'm but quite hungry now. indeed the whole yeah. interview has <laughs> but uh matt we, we we really are extremely grateful i mean we're, we're really looking forward to to working closer with you on on some of our projects thank you um, thank you very much me too also you know i mean we've subscribed to to, to to everything as well and uh and delve in and and just sort of partly it's sort of it's reassuring to know that we know a little bit of what you know the, the basics but you know the nuances of the whole thing mm-hmm. are, are huge so mm. thank you for uh, for offering your insight and um and and sharing uh, so much information i mean i think people who are particularly our independent author listener community will really get a great deal from this um oh thank you very much interview. thank you and actually some of our helpful. authors who are both published with us and have mm. their own self-published work as well so i think you know that's it's good for them to yeah but i mean the number one thing i took away from it is don't give up (laughs) well yeah exactly it is it can be very it can be very easy to think right i'm just going to switch all these ads off they're just spending too much money i'm not making my returns i'm going to switch them off it's very easy to do um but yeah as you say you just got to continue and don't give up yeah have more confidence have more confidence yeah exactly yeah that's it exactly and you've got a you've got a you know you've got a good product to to get out into the world and advertising is the best way to get it out there absolutely well thank you matt it's been uh thank you for your time and uh thank you very much for having me on thank you for having me on both it's been it's been a real pleasure talking to you thank you matthew j holmes or matt as we prefer to call him now and uh just to, to fill you in yes we have um 
started to work with with Matt over the next um, few weeks to uh, look again afresh at our own advertising performance in certain uh, with certain authors. And you know, uh, if that goes well, then we'll hope to expand that connection and that that working relationship. But you know, the fact is that that Rebecca and I, the bits we enjoy most about the job are the creative production side, the uh, working with authors and creating covers and uh, the social creative that you do um, and writing the blurbs and all that sort of malarkey, and I do the audio. But the actual marketing side of it in terms of mastering those platforms is extremely time-consuming and some, you know, for some people it probably is very natural, but for us it's not been as easy as, as we first imagined when we launched the company i think we're just being brutally honest about that and we've had some success and sometimes not and, and didn't he cope well with my question <laughs> i knew he wanted to say it of yes course. he did yes he did we haven't tried it yet uh brown toast you don't know what you're having for lunch yet <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah it wouldn't surprise me if you did produce me with uh, the four <laughs> four flavor piece of toast <laughs> But um, no, that was wonderful. So we're looking forward to working with him. And, uh, you know, it's an extra added bonus that he's quite local to us too. So uh, Yeah, so we can go and see him. And we'll have him back on the show, of course, uh, probably in a few months' time once we've been able to, you know, I think it's sort of only fair to you as listeners to find out how it's gone. Yeah, no, I agree. I think we do need to talk to him again. And, uh, yeah, and tell him what we think of his food. Choice. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that too. We'll do that too. Listen, we had a burning question before we went into the interview, which was, you know, I asked the question, uh, the new oh, about the Miss Marple Miss Marple stories, uh, you know, set up by um, Ag- Agatha Christie Limited and uh, and Harper Collins and William Morrow in the USA. Yes, they are all women authors. That's really interesting because I didn't realise that until we had a look. You know, so. I'm not going to make a judgment, but I'm just I'm just pointing it out. Um, Anyone of colour? I well, no, I I, I imagine so. Uh, yes, I mean, I think uh, there's one or two names there that suggest that there are people of, of different ethnicities. Yes, but um, yeah, uh, don't hold me to that. No, I'm just just like the, the you know they're being diverse, but not actually being fair to gender. No. Uh, you know, it goes around, comes around kind of thing, you know, bit of balance there. But anyway, maybe I should write one and uh, submit it for the next time. I think that's a fantastic idea. The trouble is I'd just do it tongue-in-cheek the whole way through, wouldn't I? No, that's a great but idea. I think, I think Robert Dawes of our authors would be oh, the ideal person. Yeah, he and would he, do a good he, one. He's a great advocate of, um, I'm sure he's appeared in the mousetrap at some point. Who hasn't? Uh, <laughs> no, he would. He'd do a really good one. If you're listening, Uncle Bob, and if you have any spare time whatsoever, which we what? don't think you do at the moment. No, he doesn't. And and, and and that is evidenced by the fact that I made a return to the Partners in Crime podcast with Adam Croft this week. It's been months since I last did one. And, uh, you know, Robert's been consistently available, particularly during lockdown, to, to do them. Um, but uh, Adam invited me back this week and I'll be doing a few more uh, because Uncle Bob, as we call him, has been extremely busy on a number of film projects. And then, of course, he's got a six week run in Windsor in uh, in uh, the Cherry Orchard by Chekhov with the uh, up and coming young talent of Sir Ian McKellen, uh, Jenny Seagrove, uh, Francesca Annis and me. Martin Shaw, to name but a few. It's a really fantastic cast and uh, you know, I think secretly we're hoping that we're we good. are. We are going to go. Yeah, we we'll get go. some freebies from him. And but take, take my middle son because he'd like to see it. I think he would. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Partners in Crime podcast is published to the general public on a Saturday. If you're a, uh, a Patreon uh, customer of Adams and the, and the podcast, then it comes out, I think, a couple of days earlier. But it's been a pleasure to do that. It's... And they get to see you, don't they, the Patreons? Yes, they do. I had to do it on video, which was most invidious. And you met burgers this week. Apparently, yeah. Well... I think I was telling a couple of whoppers or something, and that's why they used burgers in the uh, in the, the marketing imagery. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, I was You're dropping. Good at whoppers. Uh, uh, well, I was name dropping a plenty. Listen, <laughs> let's um, let's deal with the big issue of the week uh, outside of publishing, and that is the return of ABBA, and it, it, you could not have cared less. No, you see, as a child, I did quite like ABBA because they're you know very me- me- melodic and. Um, you know, I remember there's lots of childhood memories associated with ABBA. But my problem with ABBA is that they were played ad nauseum when I was at university. And it sort of ruins that element of them for me. So well, when, when I hear like Dancing Queen now, I just think, oh, no, really not. Yeah, I, look, <laughs> as a, as a uh, I only did it a few times, but as a sort of mobile disc jockey, you knew that if you lost the room, the one way to get it back was to put Dancing Queen on. That's true. Disco uh, Dave, my our mutual friend, Disco Dave said the same thing. It, Always, Dancing it, Queen gets them on. Yeah, it's it's you've got it's. There are certain Except songs <laughs> uh, that and the uh, the Bee Gees, you know, Night Fever and Staying Alive, uh, particularly Staying Alive, will get people on on the floor. So those are your get out clauses. Uh, then if you you're really struggling beyond that, I always you know, funnily enough, at that period. Ride on Time by Black Box was always a good one, uh, and then for the ladies in the room, um, they could never resist. <laughs> yes, if this is the period though. I could say things like that then. I know no, I can't I say that. That's why I went like that. It's because I knew it was a, it was going to be a song that I don't like because I just I'm completely Black Velvet by Alana Myers. I can't stand that song. But you know, but it gets groups of ladies. It gets up. me in the toilet. <laughs> well, okay. Anyway, let's go back to ABBA. So they've announced they're returning with an album which was a surprise to them because they hadn't recorded for 40 years and they did a couple of songs together and then they thought, well, do you know what, this is sounding so good, let's do an album. And they've also got together with George Lucas and Industrial Light and Magic, ILM, who do all the sort of special effects for films, to create this new, uh, well, they're calling it a tour, but it's not, it's staying in one place because they're building a special 3,000-seat venue in the uh, London Olympic Park uh, the Abba Dome or something like that. <laughs> I love that. The <laughs> uh, which, um, having seen the photographs of it, it's, it's a 3,000-seater. And their avatars will be performing live on stage with live musicians. Uh, but what they've done is they've actually had to go and wear motion capture technology for about a month of performances, as they are now in their 70s. And oh, there's blobby things on suits. Yeah. So they've worn the blobby things on suits. Um Poor old Bjorn had to shave his beard for it. It's the first time in 20 years. <laughs> I he... thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> no, he had to shave his beard. Uh, so the, so the, the digital technicians, they got a thousand digital artists putting this all together. Um, had a fair chance of, of recreating how they looked in but the he, 70s. He's not the same without his beard. No, but that's, that's Benny you're thinking of. Benny had the beard in the 70s. Oh, I get them. They both up. have beards now. <laughs> in re, you know. I'm um, sorry, I get them mixed up. Go right, on. so... They're doing that, and um, tickets go on sale, I think, early next week. So they will sell by the Casquillion load, absolutely. And I'm sure they're massively expensive if it's only a 3,000-seat yeah, arena. Because, yeah, well, But the new songs, the new songs, um, I Still Have Faith in You and uh, Don't Shut Me Down, are 
in my opinion, quite brilliant. I, in last night, I have to say, I, I, in my sleep, I just had the song. I had, um, you know, I, I still have faith in you going around in my head all night, in my dreams, everything. It just, I just couldn't get the you shape of the chorus. It. You were actually singing it. I dare say it was. <laughs> I think it's fantastic because it's ABBA music. It, with all the qualities that they had when they were in their heyday, um, with the fantastic harmonised vocals and all that sort of thing, but writing songs about the age they are now, and it's about that one is about the trepidation of going back to doing something that you used to do. You know, uh, do I still have it in me? Is the opening line? Well, I mean, despite what I said about my my sort of feelings about ABBA, I, I have a lot of respect for them for doing this. And I you have played the songs to me and I did I thought they were very good. So, you know, I'm Yeah. And that, <laughs> as long as they don't bring back Dancing Queen, I'll be fine. A good friend of mine who's a DJ and had been a leading DJ in the UK, um, said that, you know, it, it was a dream of his to be able to you know, since he started his career, ABBA had already been, you know, uh, hadn't done anything for seven years. By the time he started in 1989, to actually play something new by ABBA was was a sort of bucket list moment for him. But not only that, he said it was the best pop song that he'd had in his career, new pop song. And I kind of, I can see where he's coming from on that. To to combine the sincerity and the the the, the reflect on life from their position now. I mean, they've been massively successful, hugely wealthy, but they were married together, and of course they broke up, and then the band broke up. And uh, Anyeta has had terrible problems with depression and anxiety, still suffers. So, it, you know, there were lots and lots of reasons why it's remarkable. But the depth of the music and the lyrics are just fantastic. And those girls just have the best harmonies in the history of pop music. That's it. End of. And actually, that's quite difficult to achieve because a lot of uh, pop stars do go down that sort of reflective trying to be deep root, don't they? And sometimes it comes comes out mm. as quite twee. So to be able to do that effectively and to uh, have, you know move people with your words and your melodies, yeah. I think that's quite difficult. Well, they always do, had so. that when they were at their best. So you think of The Winner Takes It All, which yeah, was essentially... A great a, song. Which is a great song, but it was, a, it was autobiographical in the sense that it was Bjorn writing the lyrics about the breakup he was having with Anyeta and getting Anyeta to sing it. And that wonderful video where they're being Abba and smiling away, the three of them, and then she's looking thousand yards stare into the distance as she does the lead vocal across the camera and all that stuff. It's just so clever. Um, and it's profound. But, you know, there is that sort of Scandi noir touch to the, you know, underneath the wonderful bouncy music and the schlager influences and the piano rolls and all that stuff they do. Um, there is this pathos... And, and pain that mm. comes that that's in the lyrics, and it's just so beguiling. So look, I've loved it. I've I, I listened to it two or three times a day. I can't help it. And there aren't many pieces of music that have done that. And the last thing was the David Bowie album. That's you know just before he died, released two days before he died. So um, you know these are the greats in my opinion. And Abra have just shown that. I hope the rest of the albums is good because if it is, it's going to be incredible. But. Um, yeah, there we go. So Abba return, and uh, we 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 uh, well we we sort of differ on our feelings towards the the group a little bit, but nonetheless, but it's my, it's uplifting. I and think it's... I think uh, my tainting isn't it isn't caused by them themselves. It's caused by just just how overplayed they were for a long time. So it's not them, but yeah, 
Yeah, but that's not their fault, is it? <laughs> We're not going to blame them, though. <laughs> right, well, let's look ahead to um, the week to come. And our next week interview is with Brian Price, another of our Hobeck stable and his debut crime novel, Fatal Trade, is coming out with us very, very shortly. And we'll be talking about that. It's a brilliant book. Great cover from Jay Mapp again. Um, just the most, I think, one of the most sort of jaw-dropping opening chapters I've ever read. Oh, the best first line I've read for a long time. Uh, yeah. Is that not, that, I've said this before on the podcast. That I, I put a lot of weight on the yeah. first line. If well, your first line isn't very good, then you've lost me. We'll but. reveal all uh, next week when we talk to, to Brian. Uh, and Brian's other uh, connection to the crime world is that he is uh, one of the most respected uh, sort of consultants on the science of crime in the UK too. So he's moved into the fiction world, but prior to that, he's helped a lot of authors and built up a huge contact list of, of people who, who credit him for helping them get the science right uh, as a former scientist for the Environment Agency himself. So really going to be a wonderful interview. So that's Brian Price. That's next week. During the week, well, we've got tons of meetings. We have. I think it's like end of summer holiday-itis or something. <laughs> it must be. Because... I've struggled to juggle them all. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, We've been working through, I'm I'm currently proofing uh, the latest novel from Linda Huber. You're working on Lynn LaVersha's. Well, I've just just finished um, proofreading Lynn LaVersha's Blood Notes. So that's now with the heart team. Right. I've I've finished reading The Chemist by Lewis Hastings and you're working through. I've got to then pick up where I left off with The Chemist because uh, I sort of had to put The Chemist down and Concentrate on blood notes, but yes, I'm yep. back on the chemist. <laughs> and I'm back in this, well, it's getting quite warm in here now, this uh, this booth that we're broadcasting from, our new studio, which is a wonderful thing, but it gets hot if the fan isn't on and the lights are on. Uh, I'll be back recording the Merseyside crime series for Malcolm Hollingdrake and uh, starting to work on some other projects as well. So uh, it is, I, I, you know, we are astonishingly busy at the moment. That's, and it's back to school. It is back to school for the kids. Yeah, so we spent last week doing lots of shopping. Um, I, it was phenomenal, actually. The amount of things that we needed, you know, prit sticks, um, projectors, not projectors, protectors. Protractors, yes. <laughs> um, Clothing. A cloth apron, which we haven't managed oh, to purchase yet. Trainers, yeah. rugby boots, all sorts of things. But, you know, as any parent will know, it's it's it can be quite a lot. It's a scramble. <laughs> it really is. But um, and now know. we get to throw them at education. I I think they need it. They <laughs> do that, need it. I think they're looking forward to it. And in terms of my two boys, well, James starts his time at the sixth form next week, which uh, is tomorrow, fant- isn't it? Tomorrow, yeah. or indeed, as this program goes out, it'll be that day. So he's looking forward to that. And uh, Ben has started work. He's uh, my uh, twenty. Uh, how old is he now? Twenty-year-old son, <laughs> who is um, uh, taking a year out of university so that he can do a, a, a year placement in industry, and has joined a huge, to my great delight, golf company, and has uh, started there. And uh, I think it's a bit of a shock to the system, working day in day out. It's um, it certainly was when I was younger, and I'm sure that's no different for this generation. So uh, congratulations to him. And uh, I think uh, he'll just be sleeping off the first week as we speak now. Wakey, wakey. <laughs> and we have a meeting with our accountant. Duh, duh, duh. Oh, boy. Yeah, I've, I've got to fill in the questionnaire. Yeah, you've got to do it today. <laughs> All right. OK, next job. Anyway, look, we've, we've blabbered on on the, the Hobcast book show for too long. Thank you very much for joining us for episode number 34. Number 35 with Brian is next week. But we are extremely grateful to you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts from. That uh, every subscriber is a great 
you know, bonus to us. And join us at our website for more details of what we are up to and the fact that submissions are open, www.hobeck.net. you find out the details of how to send your submissions to us in the next few weeks. But uh, from myself, Adrian Hobart. And myself, Rebecca Collins. We'd like to thank you for joining us and have a wonderful, warm, it's going to be warm, creative it's week. Be warm. It is going to be warm. You've been listening to The Hobcast from Hobeck Books with Adrian Hobart and Rebecca Collins. You can find the show notes at our website, www.hobeck.net. You can also use the exclusive Hobcast discount code for any of the products at our Hobeck online store. Just enter the code HOBCAST20 for a 20% discount. Don't forget to subscribe to The Hobcast and feel free to contact us with any feedback. Until next time, remember our motto, Trad Values, Indie Spirit. Indie Spirit.